Hi, and thank you for listening to me introduce the Family Life Christian Center podcast. Whether you're listening because you slept in on Sunday or you're just back for more, we are so glad you're here. We truly believe God is doing great things in the earth through you. Whether it's your family, friends, coworkers, or people you've never met, you are called to touch the lives of those around you. We believe it's our job to empower you to fulfill your highest calling in Christ. So buckle up, because we know God has something special for you right here and now. Thank you for listening, and God bless you. But for now, we're going to get into the meat of our day here. So like I said before, this is one of our 5-Minute Fuel Sundays. Now, 5-Minute Fuel is a catchy name. We love the name. We're really going for like seven to 10 minutes for everybody here. But we have three different speakers today from within our own church body, people who are gifted teachers that want to share something of value today. So this is an exciting time for people to come up and share, exercise their gift, uh, kind of participate in exploring their fivefold potential here as well as teachers. And I'm very excited. The first one will be leading us in communion, but also teaching on the foundation of that, the history of that, what it really means. And teaching us about this this morning is none other than our very own Annie Moore, ladies and gentlemen. Hands full. Yep. Hello. I just realized that I'm probably supposed to talk to the ushers about this. There they go. You guys are so good. All right. So I've taken communion several times in my Christian life. And therefore, I've heard various pastors and speakers speak of the bread and wine. But it wasn't until I was asked to do this that I started studying it out for myself and for you. Um, and it, it, it's pretty deep stuff. <laughs> um, for your reference, I'll be talking about uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. And there's probably a big black screen behind me because I didn't tell John <laughs> what pa- <laughs> um, What's the verse again? It is 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. So I'm going to read the entire passage for you, and it's written by Paul. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. My blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, You are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthingly is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink of the cup without honoring the body first, The original text does not, oh, I'm sorry, without honoring the body of Christ, and the original text does not say of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon you. That is why many of you are weak, sick, and some have even died. 
Okay, so let's break this down. Pretty deep, right? Um, I even feel kind of heavy after reading that. I think we all know that Jesus said, this is my, blood, my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We've all heard that before, have we not? If not, talk to me after. Um, <laughs> uh, we are to remember him and what he did for us. He did this for us. He practiced sacrificial love on the cross. The least we can do is imitate him. Excuse me. I don't know what just came over me, but something really heavy just kind of went, kind of, I almost felt like falling over. Um, sorry, <laughs> that was really wild. The least we can do is imitate him by loving ourselves and our brothers and sisters in Christ and others. Think about what he endured for us. Have you seen the passion? If not, do. It's a wonderful depiction of what Christ took on his body out of pure love for you and me. I don't know about you, but I can't even seem to handle a paper cut with any semblance of grace. <laughs> Seriously, ask Tom. Um, <laughs> you want to raise your hands so people... No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> um, but Jesus was marred to the point of being unrecognizable. And if you haven't seen the Passion, well, the Passion said that they couldn't even do a very good job of what he looked like because they had a living being that they couldn't even make look unrecognizable. So that's how unrecognizable he was. Um, but he did this because he loves us so. I mean, really let that sink in. I've never been punched in the face. Don't know about you. I see a lot of men here, but... <laughs> doesn't mean that you've been punched in the face. But I've never been punched in the face. The closest I've come is having my nose broken by a bungee cord when we were putting Christmas trees on top of a vehicle one year. Yes, and you can't even tell, thank God. Um, <laughs> um, it was a complete accident, and I know for sure that the person that did it loves me unconditionally. I know that for certain. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Sorry, honey. <laughs> um, yes, it was my husband. Um, anyway, but then he made me this huge snowball out of pure love for me and put it on my nose <laughs> because we had to drive miles and miles and miles because we were in the middle of nowhere. Um, anyway, so <laughs> enough of that. If you want the rest of that story, see me after. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have a big line of people. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so he loved me unconditionally. But the men who scarred Jesus, I'm trying to lighten this really heavy thing. Although I want you to get the heaviness of it, because this really is heavy. The men who scarred Jesus did it on purpose. And they detested him, though he did no wrong. No wrong. Not one thing did he do wrong. He didn't even have a little white lie. Nothing. I don't think any of us can say that that is us. Remember, too, that the suffering Christ endured, remember the suffering that Christ endured. Compare this to the minute task that he's asking of you. Think mostly of how you are <clears throat> communing with God, the one who thought of you before making the heaven and earth, the one who created you and chose your eye color to go so perfectly with the color of your hair. Ponder on that for a moment. As you hold Christ's body, this little thing that we're going to get, or we have, 
Um, he, the one who was pictured, whose picture is depicted in so many ways, knew every little single detail about you before he conjured up the very ground upon which we stand. Seriously. I mean, that's not a joke. Before there was even one star in the sky, and before there was even day or night, he was thinking about you. In verse 29, Paul says, For if you eat this bread and drink this cup without honoring the body of Christ, and again, the original text doesn't say of Christ, as I was writing this, I was like, somebody's going to beat me up over this. <laughs> so I have to make sure that people know that I know that the original text doesn't say of Christ. But So you can take it either way. You can take it as the body of Christ, meaning all of us, the church, or you can take it as the body of Christ, meaning me personally, you personally. Um, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. This is what the scripture says. That's why many of you are sick, weak, and have even died. I didn't catch that before until I studied this out. So we not only need to repent, as some would say, and I'm not knocking repentance, but we need to look at how we care for others of those in the body around us, as well as ourselves. As we take this bread and break it, did you hear that cry? Um, <laughs> think of those around you who may need prayer, a meal, help with rent, a storage card for their phone, a ride. Imagine yourself sharing a loaf of bread with those next to you rather than removing it from this hermetically sealed little thingy. <laughs> okay, seriousness now. Lord, we ask, <laughs> we ask in your name to honor this body, to help us on your body, this body. Help us remember the details of your sacrifice. Help us truly know how deeply you love us. In your name, amen. <sighs> Open this without spilling it. Now, as we take the cup. Proclaiming his death until he returns. Again, that's another thing that I've never really caught when I've heard this. The message translation puts it this way. What you most solemnly realize is that every time you eat the bread and every time you drink the cup, you reenact your words and actions, in your words and actions, the death of the master. You will now draw, be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. Until he returns. I mean, we, a lot of us feel like it's probably coming soon. It may be in our lifetime. I don't know. I'm not saying I do or don't, so don't see me afterwards. Um, <laughs> but until he returns, maybe a while. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. Well, I looked up the word contempt just to put more meaning in it, and it says, the feeling that a person is beneath consideration, worthless, or deserving of scorn. Let's not let this go by as, okay, we've eaten the bread, now let's drink the wine. 
let's remember that this is Christ's blood that we are drinking. So I'm going to ask that you close your eyes. Imagine yourself standing at the cross. And I mean at the cross. As you look up, you are seeing Jesus hanging on the cross. And his blood is dripping next to you. You reach out and let the droplets fill your cup. He wants us to remember what he did for us how he took on our sin and our suffering. John Pleiper explained it very well in 50 Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die. Every act of treachery and brutality against Jesus was a sinful and evil act. But God was in it, Piper writes. The Bible says Jesus was delivered up to death according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Acts 2.23 Every lash on his back, the thorns on his head, the spit on his cheek. I've never had anybody spit on me. But the spit on his cheek, the bruises on his face, the nails in his hands, the spear in his side, the scorn of the rulers, the betrayal of his friend, the desertion of the disciples. These are all the results of sin and all designed by God to destroy the power of sin. So let us remember that he died for us as we drink the cup. Jesus, we thank you for taking your sin and sickness, our sin and sickness on the cross. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for loving us so we can learn to love others and ourselves. We thank you for all you do, and we do so in your precious name. Amen. Please drink. You can just provide commentary the rest of the time. That'd be great. Um, thank you, Annie. That was very good. Um, oh yeah, ushers, you're doing what you're doing. Thank you. Let's give a hand for Annie. Thank you. That's so good just to remember the gravity of what communion really is. And I, 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 the, what came to mind was a, a whole story of like, so let's imagine there's a little, a little bottle of wine, maybe one cup's worth in like a little glass jar. Somebody in another country somewhere says, you know, I got to get this to somebody who needs it. That's all the way around the world. They'll travel, you know, they get on a ship as they're traveling, they get shipwrecked and they can grab food for themselves or they can grab this wine. They grab the wine and then they land, you know, on an island somewhere and they could, you know, drink the wine and feed themselves or they can hold on to it and bring it with them. When they get in, they have to struggle and strive and they go through all this incredible suffering to finally crawl their way to the person that this cup was designed for and fill the glass and, you know, and to death, dies, just trying to get this glass in there. Would someone just say, okay, cool, thanks. Gone. Like, you, you don't know what that cup was worth. <laughs> you don't know what it took to get this cup to you. 
There was so much suffering and work and sacrifice just to get that in front of you. Treat it with the honor that it's due. Uh, so I love that, Annie. Thank you so much for just bringing us back to the weight of what this is. Just looking at a little cup, it's hard to think that. This is the salvation of the world in this little cup. And I love, too, the frequency of communion of like, you know, how often do we need to be reminded of Christ's sacrifice? Like, well, how often do you eat? <laughs> Three times a day. Well, I guess you shouldn't have wine for breakfast, but uh, maybe not for lunch either. So at least once a day, at least one. But bread, though, come on, where's our carby Barbies out there? We need rem- Every time you enjoy your carbs, the Lord is in those carbs. Uh, so anyways... <laughs> So thank you, Annie. That's, that's what I call Avery. She loves bread. Uh, she's our carby Barbie. So anyways, thank you, Annie. That's great. Um, so that's one. We got two more to go, ladies and gentlemen. Next up, we've got, uh, it was great, actually. We're very excited about this one. Last week when Shalise taught on spiritual warfare, which I love the idea of spiritual warfare is summarized in a single question, what's the truth? Because if the enemy is just trying to bring us lies, the more we focus on the lies, we're missing the truth. And it's the truth that is the light that defeats the darkness. So focusing on the truth amidst warfare is so powerful. However, that was a lot to gather in a single Sunday. So I love here is our next speaker is going to help unpack that idea even further. Talk a little bit more about this idea of spiritual warfare, defeating the enemy, understanding our protection and authority and power in Christ. And that will be brought to us by none other, ladies and gentlemen, than Becky Buston. Let's bring her up. Well, good morning, everyone. Yes, instead of spiritual warfare, Shalise said she calls it spiritual joyfare. Okay. But I do want to unlock some things that, you know, sometimes we have been taught wrong. That's the bottom line. Because we, it was passed down information. It really wasn't something that came from the Word of God. We just heard it. Um, so I'm going to start with last Sunday. Some of you may have heard for the first time that it's not the attack of the devil against our lives. Rather, it's unhealed wounds or triggers that bring about, about many things in our world, in our life. Or it is simply living this fa- life in this fallen world. Things happen. Things happen like falling off a ladder. (laughs) Well, this truth is what I've been renewing my mind to for the last 15 years. And even still, I will find some untruths stuck in my mindset and have to pull down those strongholds and replace them with truths. Forgive me if I have to read a little bit more than the average person. (laughs) Another important fact that I haven't spent time renewing my mind to that Shalise brought out was that we are one with the Trinity. Not just one with God, but one with the Trinity. And there's no separation. There is none. Period. So I've already started renewing my mind. I hope you have too, to that fact. I go through the day and, you know, something will happen. I'll go, wait a minute, I'm one with him. I'm one with the Trinity. So I want to thank Shalise for that. Something more that we can begin to meditate on. And so our pastors, Danny and Natalie, want to unfold this topic more in the upcoming messages. And, and the reason, like Shelley said, it's the foundation. And if we build on a foundation incorrectly, then everything above it is wrong. 
And so we need to take heed to what was said. Whether we agree right now or not or understand or not, let's take heed and begin to find out for ourselves. So knowing that I had a passion for this, they asked me to give this. Mine's going to be a 10-minute fuel. <laughs> I know it is right away. Um, I want to give credit where credit is due. I'm all about that. But Pastor Robert Rosado was the person that introduced Lauren and I to what I call and we call the finished work of Christ. He also introduced some of the revelation and insights that I will share today. But the important thing to remember is you still have to study it for yourself. And then you have to be convinced of it in order to really apply those principles. So it won't be enough that I'm sharing some of these things for you with you today. You need to study this yourself. About 20 years ago, I was sitting on our old porch in what I called my therapy swing. I would go out there and just get away from everything and swing and think and pray and talk. And I was really at a place um, where I was discouraged with the results of prayer. And one of my questions that I was just saying to myself was, you know, at what point does the enemy become unbound when we bind him? This doesn't make sense to me. It isn't working. Because I was seeing things that we prayed about and we bound the enemy and then they were still happening. So that was one of the first times in my life that I began to question this whole binding and loosing and attack of the devil and all those things. Well, shortly after that is when I first heard that message on the finished work of Christ. Now, what does that mean? It simply means, I'm putting it simply because it was not easy. Jesus was the last sacrifice. And when he said, it is finished, the devil was defeated and brought to nothing. So either that's true or it's not. And if it's not, then Jesus is a liar and he did everything in vain. So we have to think about that. He, it says it brought him to nothing. Okay, so although he is real, the devil's real and he works in this world, I don't deny that. He should not be an issue to the believer in Jesus Christ. You see the difference? So he's, he's working and he's done a lot of damage, but he should not be an issue in our lives if we're a believer. Um, before I go into Ephesians 6.12, I want to say this. Always look at context of the scriptures when you're reading and studying. And what does that mean? Simply said, it's the set of circumstances or facts that surround a particular event or situation. So whenever you're reading period, whether it's the Bible, whether it's a book, always see and look to the paragraphs before and after or the scriptures before and after and get your correct context because we all pull things out of context. And especially when we're dealing with one scripture and we're saying that, we, sometimes we don't have the time to go back and um, you know, give you all the details. So you need to do that. So let's go to Ephesians 6.12. It reads like this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Uh, this almost makes it sound like, you know, yeah, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, physical bodies, people. 
But it almost sounds like uh, we are supposed to wrestle with the devil. Ever thought about that? If you read it like I just read? So do we? Do we wrestle really with the devil? Well, let me read it. This is, you got to really put on your listening ears for this one. Because I think um, afterwards, you will actually have to listen to this again or go back to the scripture, and, and this could take a minute. It says, we do not wrestle, and that word wrestle means I exist. We do not wrestle, or we, I don't exist against flesh and blood. I exist against principalities. I exist against powers. I exist against the rulers of the darkness of this age. I exist against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. As a believer, our very existence is against all that darkness represents. Do you see how powerful God has made us? And we have to go back. So I go back real quick. And I say, I'm one with him. There is no separation. I exist against darkness. So let me get into a couple of more scriptures that are misunderstood um, about binding and loosing. And let's have our eyes opened a little bit. Matthew 16, verses 16 and 19. It's about binding and loosing, probably one of the most famous scriptures. So the context of it is based on the revelation, now think about this, that Peter had when Jesus asked him who he thought Jesus was. So Jesus asked him, Peter, who do you think that I am? And Peter responded, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Jesus answered and said to him, well, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Then it goes on in verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on, the, on this rock, this rock was the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This word bind means to tie, to put in bonds, and the word loose means to break up, destroy, and melt, and put off. Well, let me read it in the Amplified Version. I, that's a, I lived out of the Amplified Version most of my Christian life, and um, so often it really brings out you know, what they're trying to say, what the Greek is. Or the Hebrew. It says, and whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth will already, will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose and permit and declare lawful on earth will have all will have already been loosed in heaven. So we're not going to be doing anything that hasn't already been done in heaven. Okay, we need to line ourselves up with truth in the word of God. So what about Matthew 18, 18? Here's another one about binding and loosing. 
Guess what? The context of that is all about forgiveness. We can bind someone by not forgiving them, and especially ourselves, or we can loose them and release them. Neither one of these ever instructed us to bind the devil. Neither one of them. In fact, you won't find that anywhere. So scripture, this is what scripture says. It tells us to resist. Andrew brought that out today, wherever you are, Andrew. To resist the devil. You know what resist means? Turn from. Here I am following the enemy's, you know, lies, and I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn. I'm going to resist. I'm literally going to walk away. It doesn't instruct us to bind him. It says resist. So Jesus already defeated him, right? Resisting the devil is done by wearing the armor of God. We should be wearing the armor of God at all times. Especially after what Jesus did. So that's in Ephesians 6.11. And in closing, <laughs> let's see if we can close it up here. This is probably one of the most important things I could say other than scripture right now. Is when we believe that the devil attacks us, it prevents us from looking at our own lives and listening to what Holy Spirit is trying to tell us needs changing. Instead, we need to realize that we are one with the Trinity and that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. We can ask Holy Spirit about the situation we are in and what we are supposed to do. We say, what can I learn through this? Not that God's teaching me anything. God didn't bring those situations. But I want to learn through it because I'm tired of going around the mountain over and over and over again. How many mountains have some of us gone around and around and around? We need to pause and say, I, I need a different way of thinking. That's what repenting is, thinking differently. Um, so some of you may be thinking, because I kind of heard you when I was putting this together. Well, what about the people that say they have been attacked by the devil and bind the enemy and see results? What do we do with that? Bottom line is, God honors faith. I can tell you that. He honors faith. He sees our heart. However, he wants us to operate in truth and be effectual and accurate in all that we believe and do. Okay? So here we go in James 5, 16. It says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. If there are effective prayers, guess what? There must be the potential for ineffective prayers. We want to be effective in all that we do. All right, Revelation 1.6. It says that we are kings and priests unto God. Kings decree. That means to speak, command, rehearse, or tell. And priests declare. That means execute, carry out, or put into effect. I love this order or course of action or terms of a will. And everything that, you know, the new and the old and the new covenant are wills. Um, and we're carrying out the will of God through Jesus Christ and everything he did. So you may be saying to yourself, I heard you again, then what about the scriptures where Paul says he was sent 
a messenger sent to buffet him. That's in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Is that the devil attacking? Or 1 Thessalonians 2, 18, where Paul says Satan hindered him from coming, from going to those people. Well, I'm just going to ask you as homework. I encourage you to read these scriptures, study them, and keep it all in context. Look at words. If you want to know a very, very simple way to know the Hebrew or the Greek so you can get to root words, see me afterwards, and I'll show you something real simple. I'm not a Greek scholar, that's for sure. Okay, persecution, by the way, is part of being in Christ. It is not an attack of the enemy or the devil. It is people coming against truth. Amen? That's good. Thank you, Becky. Um, Yeah, a couple of things in there. I love that you said, uh, not we wrestle with the powers of darkness, but we exist against the powers of darkness. So it's it's neat of saying that the wrestling match really is just with my mind and oneness with Christ. Like I I just have to wrestle my way into that reality and then the rest all just kind of happens on its own. Um, Because our existence alone, when we understand that oneness with Christ is the battle. Um, I also like in, you know, resisting the devil is a turning away from him. Don't focus on that. Because I think there's a difference between saying like, okay, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. When that's all you're actually thinking about is sinning and trying not to. Instead of saying, okay, God, what does it look like to experience joy and oneness with you? Because even if I'm thinking don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, I'm still meditating on the sin. That's still part of my thought process. Rather than saying, God, what do you have? Show me your truth. Show me your oneness, your joy. Let me follow that instead. Um, and the other thing that, that uh, uh, I thought of there too is in listening to the Holy Spirit there as well, where it says in, um, I can't remember exactly where, but it talks about if a thief is caught, how don't just you know tell him stop being a thief. It said put his mind, put his hands to something else or he'll return to being a thief. Because if I don't have something better, I still need to, you know, if I'm stealing food to feed myself, to meet my own needs, then that is how I survive. And if you take that away from me, I still need to survive. And if you haven't showed me a better way, some other way to feed myself, and I'm just sitting there starving, I'm going to go back to being a thief because it's the only way I know how to feed myself. So it's the same way too with spiritual warfare, where if we're being attacked some other way, you're saying, okay, we'll stop thinking about the devil. It's okay, great. What do I do else? What else do I do then? You know, like, unless I know a better way, I'm just going to keep returning to that rather than saying, okay, set your minds then to the Holy Spirit, to joy, to peace, and pursue something else so that you're not tied to the old way. Um, That's great, Becky. Thank you so much. Uh, Very good. Did I have something else? No, I feel great about that. We nailed it. Uh, so we have one last five-minute fuel for you. And this is an interesting one, too, because even though we've asked him, I think, maybe four or five times in the past, because we said, you're going to be great at this. He kept going, no, I don't think so. No, I'm not interested. No, that's scary for me. I don't want to do it. He volunteered this time because he said, I have something I'm so excited about. I want to share it. So that blew me away. So it must be good, and it must be from the Lord, because it got Mr. Kenny Hass here to step up and share something. So let's give him a hand. He clearly needs the encouragement, you know, because you're so nervous about this. Look at this guy. Look at that. Oh! Yeah, right. me up. <laughs> hey, guys. 
Um, I am excited to do this, and uh, yeah, um, let's see. John, can you throw up the title up there? Roots Before Fruits. So um, I want to talk first about a couple of resources here. Um, this one's not on the resource wall, but I highly recommend it. I'm reading through it right now. When I'm done, it might go up there. So we'll see what happens. Um, but this is written by Banning Leapshire. He's the founder and pastor of Jesus Culture, if you guys know Jesus Culture. Um, and uh, this is all about what we're going to talk about today. So if you have more questions, we can talk about it. I'd be happy to discuss um, this with you. But you can also get those answered probably here and in the Bible. Another one that has to do with what we're doing today is this uh, Let's Go 60-Day Challenge. Um, this was written by Jason Lomolino um, from Isla Vista Church. Uh, I was there for a year in California. Um, they're the guys who do Jesus burgers. I lived in the house. We did burgers every Friday night for two hours for, um, for the students in Isla Vista. It was awesome, super fun. Uh, this thing, if you need discipline in your life, if you're having a hard time saying yes and following through, um, this is a great place to start. Um, the cool thing about this is uh, 60 days. Um, there are a number of things that you have to accomplish. And if you, if you mess up or make a mistake or you don't do all of the things that you have to do in a day, you have to start over at day one. So the 60-day challenge is, can I do all of these same things for a whole 60 days and follow through? Um, it's really great. It's really awesome. Um, I've done it actually, I did it three times this year, which is over half of the year and I'm doing it again in January. So if anybody else wants to join me, uh, in doing that, let me know. I would love to do that with you. We can get a Facebook group or a text message thread or something and we can do it together. Uh, Rachel's done it too. So, um, okay. So roots before fruits. Um, let's look at a couple verses. Can we throw up that first one? Uh, this is Psalm 1, 3. Um, he is, planted, uh, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. This is speaking of the righteous. Um, so this is all of us. This is all of us here. Um, so I, I want to jump into another verse here. Um, let's go to John fifteen sixteen. 16. Um, Jesus is talking no longer to servants. He's talking to his friends. Again, this is us, his friends. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed, that's an important word, and, and appointed you that sh you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Um, and then, uh, John, I've got a surprise one for you. Can you throw up Ephesians 3, 3.17? Actually, can we, let's do 3.14 through 3.18. Oh, wait a second. Um, I'll start reading while we're waiting. For this reason, this is Ephesians 3, uh, 14 through 18. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow, how powerful. Um, so um, 
we're, we're going to come back to that word appointed um, and inner being. Um, but I want to talk about the process of fruit bearing. What, does, what is fruit bearing? Um, if, uh, if he has appointed us that we should go and bear fruit, and we are all supposed to bear fruit, what is fruit bearing? Well, oftentimes it starts with a seed. That seed is the word of God, which goes into our hearts and is watered by the Holy Spirit. Goes through maybe a, a process of dormancy and then germination. The root grows down while the sprout grows up, breaking through the surface. Then photosynthesis starts. Now the roots begin to form a foundation. And then the plant begins to grow. And once the plant grows large enough, it's time to bear fruit. So, um, so a key concept of today that I want you, if, if, you're, if you're taking notes, um, just write in all caps, foundations. They always have to be bigger than the thing they're supporting. Yep. Foundations always have to be bigger than the thing that they are supporting. God doesn't ever want you to outgrow your foundation. He knows you need the proper foundation for what he has called you to. He knows you need the proper foundation. So uh, I want to read from Rooted, from this book. Um, Can we throw up that uh, quote there? Okay. So um, this fruitfulness process, this process of the seed. Fruitfulness in your life comes about through a similar process. God plants the seed of his word inside you and waters it with his Holy Spirit, bringing it to life. He begins to give you insight into who he created you to be in him and what he is calling you to do with him. He stirs up that desire in you, flip the page here, to have a lasting impact in the world. And he starts to build a root system for that seed in your heart your internal world. So um, I, w- I want to point out something here that he, he, begins, he begins to grow that seed and that desire happens right away and the roots begin to grow right away. But it doesn't mean you bear fruit right away. It takes time and there's a process to this that God wants to take you through his process of growing the roots down so that your foundation in him, in Christ, can be strong enough that when the wind begins to blow and all of these storms and things, waves come and you've got to ride the wave and figure out, like all these things that begin to happen, we need that foundation in him so that when it's time to bear fruit, we can outlast the storm. We can outlast the wind. We can outlast these trials and things that come against us. Um. So uh, there's no better life, I think, to look at. There's probably plenty of really good lives to look at, but there's no contention that the life of David bore fruit and lasting fruit. David, King David, ushered in the golden age of Israel. He established a new culture of worship within the nation, and his songs are still impacting the culture of worship, even what we do here today. David bore fruit that lasted, like Jesus said, and will last into eternity. And for all David's fruit, it can be traced back to a singular seed. Um, in Samuel, it talks about uh, when he came uh, to Jesse and Jesse's family um, looking for the king who he had to anoint. Um, 
And he went through all the brothers and, no, you're not it, you're not it, you're not it, you're not it. Is there anybody else? And Jesse's father went and grabbed David and brought him in. He said, you're it. You're going to be the king. And the crazy part is that God took David through a, uh, a process that was somewhere between 17 and 20 years. David was 30 years old. He was, a, he was just a boy when, that, when Samuel anointed him to be king. But it took him until he was 30. So 20 years, two decades until he bore the fruit. So God brought him through the process of uh, fighting lions and beasts and saving his flock and doing the hard work of being a shepherd. Um, He brought him through many trials and many things that challenged him and began to grow these roots. Um, So uh, back to the Jesse's family thing. God was not looking for someone who was ready to bear fruit. He was looking for someone who is ready and willing to let God grow the roots in their inward being, inwardly and in secret, to get them ready for what God had. So we already talked about that, right? He'll bring you fruit, or he'll, he will grow, grow you with power and strengthen you with power in your inward being. Um, okay, can we throw up... Um, that picture. So I made this little doodle. It's pretty great. <laughs> Let's just look at it for a second. No, I've only got five minutes or 10 minutes. Um, there are two trees there, but look at those root systems. They're exactly the same. So we as people, as humans, what do we look at? We look at what we can see above ground. But what does God look at? The heart. What is he, what is God interested in? Your heart. He's interested in our hearts. He's interested in, do I have someone who's willing to let me grow the root system? Do I have someone who's looking at the same thing I'm looking at before this outward fruit or this outward growth happens? These trees aren't even bearing fruit yet. But if, if we're looking through the eyes of man, we're going to look at those trees. We, we're not going to see any of this, none of this down here. We're only going to see this and be like, they're ready. But this person's been working on this. You don't need to have all this growth. That's not what God is interested in. He's interested in this, and he will be the one to bring the fruit. Boom. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we're, we're at... Uh, 10 o'clock. So um, I've got to, I'm going to try and land the plane here. Um, uh, let's see. So God has a process. Um, actually, yeah, can you just throw up 2 Corinthians 4.18? This is, this is the, the scripture that goes along with the, the thing I just said. As we look not to the things that are seen, that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporal or temp- temporary or um, of, of the world, of the flesh, of things that we can, right. But the things that are unseen are eternal. It also says that uh, it's from faith that everything that is seen was, was made out of God's faith. He made everything. So God has a process that we're, and we're all in it. Each one of us. I'm in it right now. I'm learning things. I'm coming up against challenges. 
I'm learning that my, my roots need to be deeper in him. So my encouragement to you today is lean into Jesus as you walk through this pro- as we all walk through this process together. Sometimes it's good to know where you are in this process. So maybe you need to ask him, hey, where am I? Where am I in this root growing process? What, what season, what stage do you have me in? Um, or on the other hand, sometimes it's more important for you just to let go and just trust him in the process. Um, I want to do a repeat after me prayer. Um, and do it all together, a little activation thing. Okay, so repeat after me. Father, I trust your process. I say yes to the challenges in front of me. I know that you are growing my roots in you. And that you will bring fruit into my life too. Help me stay focused on you. And teach me to receive your love as we walk through this process together. Amen. Thanks, guys. You did it, buddy. Look at that. With how nervous you were, you'd think that you would have done a bad job. But you did a good job. That was great. And I'm going to repeat it because it's worth repeating just one more time. Again, that if there's one takeaway from that, foundations. Uh, always have uh, foundations always have to be bigger than the thing they're supporting. Uh, so again, we're as a church, we have a big dream, right? We want to we want to fulfill the fivefold. Now, if we go for the fivefold gifts without developing the relationship that enables us to express the fivefold gifts, then we are a you know trying to be a big tree with little roots, and that's not gonna, it's either going to make bad fruit, it's going to wither and die, or it's just going to make no fruit at all. Uh, and the tree will shrink. So no matter how high we're reaching, we'll constantly be fading if we're not deeply rooted. And in the living room, as we're trying to build a building that's going to bless our whole community, we have to make sure our hearts are ready and willing and grounded in truth enough to be wanting to even serve the community at all. You know, if we're going to invite people into our home, let's have it be a healthy home we're inviting people into. Let's develop deep relationships that we're not just going after the higher things of God, but we're also pursuing the foundational things. Love, peace, joy, connection, oneness. Um, all the way back to even in spiritual warfare. We can go after these big showy, you know, spiritual warfare proclamations, but if we forget the roots of oneness, then they're empty words because the words have no power unless they're connected and rooted in the foundation of oneness in Christ. Um, that's great. Can we give a hand one more time for all of our five-minute fuelers? That was excellent. Thank you. Annie, Kenny, Becky. Um, that's great. Uh, so, Yeah. That's it for today, everybody. Uh, if you want to do five-minute fuels, if that's something that's exciting to you, of saying, you know, I can't teach a whole Sunday, I'm not a scholar, or maybe even if it's saying, I'm, you know, nervous standing up on a microphone, we're going to video record some of these as well. And we have a list of people who've already kind of spoken up about that. But if you're not on that list, and if you'd like to do a five-minute fuel, teach on something that you, you've learned in your life, we, we really invite you to do that. This is a great place, again, to grow your gift, to practice. It's a safe place to try. And even if you fail, it's done in a safe home. No one's going to criticize you for that. And even doing it on video kind of gives you like a safe place to practice it. And if it's not good, if it's really that bad, then it just won't get published. And it's still a good, good learning experience. Um, so anyways, uh, if you could stand with me, we're going to close. Yeah. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. Uh, one, for the teaching gift 
that you've placed in this body, among with all of the other many gifts. God, today we just thank you for that one. Of the many fruits that grow on this tree of you, we thank you for that gift of teaching, God. It's a gift to be able to nourish each other and enjoy the fruits that you've placed in other people as we share our gifts with each other. Uh, God, thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for communion with you, that oneness with you is a daily practice you want us to, in, to enjoy with you, that we constantly be reminded of the sacrifice that you made and the incomprehensible worth of your sacrifice, God, that by your death, you brought, you brought the world back together. You brought us into oneness with you. You tore the veil. You made us your sons and daughters. You gave us the Holy Spirit. God, thank you for that sacrifice. Uh, God, in spiritual warfare, thank you that oneness with you defeats the enemy that it's not a wrestle against the devil who's been defeated, God, but it's just a wrestle to get our own minds completely wrapped up in you and how that is a fight you have already won, God. And as we know your truth and as we experience oneness with you, God, that, that the battle is won just there. Uh, thank you for that, God. And thank you, God, so much for developing strong roots in our lives, strong roots in our church, strong roots in our community, God, that we may be building a foundation that we can build something glorious on top of, God. And may we never despise the work of building the foundation, though it may be unseen, though it may not be the flashy, the pretty, the uh, impressive thing, God, but help us value the foundation like you do. Help us value the heart growth like you do. May we recognize it as valuable, essential growth, even if it doesn't feel like it, even if it doesn't look that way, even if it doesn't impress other people around us, God, it impresses you. It, it, you love it. That is what you're interested in. God, thank you so much for these fantastic words today, these, these instructions, these lessons, these nuggets of truth that we can hang on to and learn from. Uh, God, we pray you bless this day, bless this week, bless these people, God, increase us, expand us, build our foundations internally. May we experience oneness with you all throughout the week and may that oneness with you be a blessing to everybody in our lives. We love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Family Life Christian Center podcast. If you enjoyed that message, please subscribe and share us with your friends. We believe the Holy Spirit is alive and active in the body of Christ and wants to have a relationship with us as He guides us toward our destiny. If you'd like to partner with us in your giving, please check out our website at www.familylife.cc giving. Or you can text GIVE to 844-955-0993. Thank you for listening and stay blessed.